0: the fuck did I never think of libraries I love them it's just like you know it really was an uh aha moment it was kind of like I used to be a library monitor in high school I'm an avid reader I go into libraries all the time why would I never think to work in one so it was kind of like that it was just like a light bulb went off in my head and I went that's it I'm going to study and go and work in the libraries.
1: Hello and welcome to Ears Wide Open, a podcast that is a project of the Open Book at 201 Ponsonby Road, the world's most beautiful second-hand bookshop. We are here tonight with the wonderful Kim Tyree, who is the librarian at AUT, the Auckland University of Technology. Hello! Ah, kia ora. Kia ora, such a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for having me here. So, first of all, I didn't put this in my questions to you, but um, could you just tell us what it means to be the librarian? It's capitalized, isn't it? It's like winning the poo. You know Well
0: it's interesting. When I first met the Vice Chancellor, he called me the librarian and it's 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 quite a prestigious position in many universities, but I tend to work in universities that um, have humble beginnings and are quite young. Tech colleges. Well, a lot of them have started their lives as, uh, you know, polytechs or I've worked in Australia for a long time or TAFE. So they have a vocational uh, backstory. And so... Titles, people aren't so precious about titles, so I found it quite interesting that I was called the librarian when I got here. But essentially, I'm the university librarian, which means that I look after all the libraries in the university and um, lead them and manage them.
1: And so if people are sitting there thinking, oh, she's busily shelving the books according to the Dewey Decimal System, is that an accurate picture of your
0: daily life as the librarian? Uh, Not really. I haven't done shelving for a very long time and I was bad at shelving. I didn't really enjoy it. It's been quite some time since I shelved a book. What I mainly do now is people management. So I've got a big team of about uh, 100 people uh, that work uh, with me in the libraries so it's, it's really a role that's about setting strategy and thinking about what we want to do, you know, what sort of things our members want from us, what, what the library kind of means in a modern academic library, and, uh, those sort of things. And
1: know. what does a library mean in 2018? So what is the role, I mean generally, and then in an academic institution
0: of libraries in this day and age? So I think libraries are important for a healthy society. And really, for me, they're a, a, like a third place in our community. They're like a... Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what they say isn't it? the third place. <laughs> not home, not work. Starbucks. Starbucks Plus, maybe. Yeah, but Starbucks Place. Um, they're a place where people can come together to connect. They can get access to books. And for a lot of people, I mean, we're sitting in this wonderful secondhand bookshop, but for a lot of people, Buying a book is just kind of out of there. They don't have the discretionary cash to do that sort of thing. So having a place where you can go and have access to uh, really robust Wi-Fi and computers and all that sort of thing.
1: And that's critical these days, isn't it? I mean, libraries as information hubs, part of it
0: is about the internet and that connectivity for people. Look, it's fundamental. A lot of government information, for example, is and uh, health information is only available online. And where are you going to go if you don't have, you know, good internet at home or, you know, even a computer at home? And the reality is, in Aotearoa, there are a lot of people that. Kind of sit on the other side of the digital divide, and they need places to go where they can get that kind of access. So, libraries certainly serve that role. But I, I mean, I think, for me, the stuff that really interests me about libraries is that that the place where people can go and learn as well. So, um, a lot of libraries run amazing community programs where people can go along and learn all sorts of things, and. You know, in our library, we have uh, a makerspace, which is an ethos around community-led spaces where people can come together and use technology to create and make and learn. What sort of things do people make there?
1: I didn't know that was there. Have you got a drill press? I need a drill press for something. (laughs) Is there a drill press in the library? Uh, We have got a drill press, actually. Oh, Perfect! (laughs) Oh, we're going to make a book art here at The Open Book and we've got to drill through a whole lot of books. That'll be a great library activity.
0: So, yeah, I can certainly source one for you. So in the Makerspace, we do things like we might have uh, zine-making workshops. We, uh, in another workshop, we, got, we sourced a whole lot of old computers and things like uh, self-issuing machines, old library equipment, and people came together and made new things out of that. We've been running a lot of things, uh, sustainability workshops, that sort of thing. People, you know, there's sewing machines and all sorts of stuff in the space, and people can just come together and teach one another you know how to make new things and uh, do different things so and
1: that's dear to your heart isn't it I've seen you posting with excitement <laughs>
0: about sewing things well it is because I mean the thing about people who work in libraries is that often they have you know creative leanings and um, I, but odd you mean
1: <laughs> well as certainly... a book person myself you know,
0: it's all right you're among friends <laughs> there's certainly a lot of quirk in libraries I, I'd have to admit that It's a place that seems to, or a profession that seems to attract people that have other lives and they tend to be creative lives because they fit quite well into being creative. So, you know, we do have lots of kind of authors and uh, artists and all sorts of things in there. And myself, I'm a maker and a crafter, so I sew, I crochet, doodle.
1: Yeah, and also a wearer of beautiful tattoos. You have amazing, beautiful tattoos um, on your arms that I can see right now. Can you. i to tell the listeners a tiny bit about those. This is a bit off script, but they're <laughs> yeah. so gorgeous.
0: So um, I started collecting tattoos, I think I got my first one when I was 30, which was a literary tattoo, actually. So it was Piglet uh, from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I'm clutching at myself with joy
1: like, I, That's amazing, how wonderful
0: uh, Mainly because Is it your self-image? Well it was then yes. When I was 30 I felt like a bit of a piglet you know, yes. Kind of a trustworthy friend And sort of used to follow Did he blinch? Poe. He did not <laughs> Just a little bit inside So Winnie the Poet was And I love those illustrations The shepherd illustrations They're so beautiful And I was a bit anti-Disney um, you know, the Disneyfication of it. Uh, so that was my first tattoo. Uh, I The kind of work that I like is, I mean, I guess you could call it whimsy. So I have uh, lots of birds tattooed on myself, all over my body. Uh, and um, I'm particularly fond of uh, Japan. So a lot of things with a uh, sort of a Japanese feel as well.
1: Right. this is, what's that? That's so a chrysanthemum. A, a chrysanthemum, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I love typefaces, particularly ampersands. I think they're very beautiful uh, symbols and very useful. This is going to sound like I'm totally <laughs> fangirling. Actually, I didn't see
1: that, but I was thinking of getting an ampersand on my other okay. shoulder. Yeah,
0: I might at some point. Yeah, they are deciding what to. And I, I actually prefer sans uh, serif fonts usually, but... You know, a serif font is rather nice when it's kind of tattooed on It's very on ele- me. elegant. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And then I, because I'm a bit of a fan girl myself, I have a, a Bowie tattoo, uh, which uh, I got not long after he passed away, um, just as a kind of a, a tribute uh, to the artist and musician. Yeah. So I, I kind of forget because I'm, I am. Under these clothes, there are quite a lot of tattoos. I think I'm getting close to my last one. Really? Well, I say that every time. They're very addictive. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: can feel that already, having got my first one recently. I can feel that urge. Oh, they're so beautiful. And so it was very inspiring to see them just as I was thinking, oh, maybe it's time I finally got that tattoo I've been thinking about. So what is it then that brings you the most joy in your job
0: as a UT librarian? Um, I think for me it's that that's that nexus around uh, being in a place that can really make a difference in somebody's life so for us uh, really it's about what is the best student experience how we how we can connect them with the information that can make a difference um, whether it's you know I'm doing an assignment and I need this particular thing or this particular reading or you know helping PhD students find some, Really obscure primary resource, that sort of thing. Um, also that stuff that we just talked about before about being a that third place, like we have quite a lot of international students at AUT, so we're kind of the most international university in Australasia. And, and why is that? Because I'm new to Auckland. I it, like it's hard for me to know why, but I think New Zealand as a place is really attractive to people. Like it's it is extremely beautiful. And uh, it was like the cost of living used to be reasonable, but I've been in Auckland two years now. We must not speak of it. It is a <laughs> forbidden topic that may not be spoken of, but we feel your pain. Yes. Yeah, I'm just overwhelmed by how expensive it is here. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of international students, it's that lifestyle, the beauty. It's quite a friendly place, I think. For people and Auckland's so multicultural now, like it's very. Well, different I took my
1: son for his first school visit yesterday, and yeah. of a class of about twenty-five, there were two, including him, two Pakeha kids. So isn't that amazing? It was incredible. I just thought, oh, this is so cool. You yeah, know, he's he's
0: in the future. I mean, he's five, so <laughs> yeah. You know. So often, like a, a lot of our students live in quite cramped conditions, and uh, you know that experience of coming on campus and being able to sort of like stay in the library till midnight and be in a place that's warm and safe and there are other people around Um, with that shared experience. How
1: late is the library open?
0: So we're open like during semester um, till about 12 o'clock at night. Cool. Yeah, and on the weekends as well.
1: So how did you become a librarian? A librarian presumably before you were the librarian.
0: It was, it was kind of a journey with lots of side uh, journeys. I didn't. I didn't originally set out to be a librarian. I, when I first left school, I went to uni and started an arts degree. But I was kind of aimless, like a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, school <laughs> leavers and children. Yes, I was a very young seventeen. Uh, I really didn't have any idea. I knew I wanted to do something in the arts, but I had I actually just wanted to play in a band like my friends. So really, university property wasn't the right thing for me then. And of course, I dropped out. And then I had a bit of a break and I thought, oh, that's I'm going to become a nurse. I like people. <laughs> <laughs> so people oh, are yeah. my favorite type of people. <laughs> Let me become a nurse. Yeah. Awesome. I want to help people. So I'll go and do that. Did that for a year. And then I uh, found out that I was pregnant. So I was quite young and pregnant. Right. And uh, then I took another break to basically look after my baby at the time. Then I moved to uh, Australia. And uh, when my daughter was about three, I thought, I'm going to return to study. Went back and did a return to study course that was aimed at kind of women, you know, getting back into uh, university. And uh, I walked past uh, a whole lot of brochures and picked up this brochure that said library studies and I had one of those kind of epiphanies. I thought, why the fuck did I never think of libraries? I love them. It's just like, you know, it really was an aha moment. It was kind of like, I used to be a library monitor in high school. I'm an avid reader. I go into libraries all the time. Why would I never think to work in one? So it was kind of like that. It was just like a light bulb went off in my head and I went, that's it. I'm going to study and go and work in the libraries. Uh, I started a course in a polytechnic, which is a kind of paraprofessional course, and I became a library technician. And I soon. Assume... So just stop for a minute. So, yeah. so, listeners who are not familiar with it, so what does that mean, a library technician? Right. So, basically, basically, it's a paraprofessional role where you're not a librarian, and a lot of them are doing. Or in Australia, they tend to do a lot of sort of backroom jobs, um, technical services, you, you know, they might be the people that you meet at the counter doing sort of frontline customer service. And the people we think of as librarians. Yeah. Often but the, the we people, should ask yeah. them, excuse me, are yeah. you a librarian or a library technician? Got, I'm a proud library technician, because uh-huh. I used to. Yeah. Um, but the problem with the way that uh, libraries often work is that if you want to sort of, do some of the more challenging work. You need to be a librarian. So then I went and uh, uh, to university and did a bachelor of business in information management to become a librarian. And it's quite a challenging degree. I understand
1: there's a masters in New Zealand anyway that is like a very challenging.
0: Yeah, a degree. It is. It is a very challenging degree uh, in Australia. And there is a, there's still a degree level course here that you can do to become a librarian. It is because it is quite a challenging role. And so what are these secrets that... Because I'm
1: trying to unpack the, you know, as I say, it's like, oh, shelving and issuing books, but what are these secret librarian craft that you are learning? So,
0: I mean, there's things like creating the sorai indexing, cataloguing, there's all these secret librarian languages around that, Um, organising data, creating databases all sorts of kind of really technical things a lot of librarians move into things like development um, they may sort of be records managers, they do all sorts of things. So it's the original big data job in a
1: way, isn't it? Yeah, that it totally. Actually is. We have all the information here. The trick is just to find the bit that you are looking for. Yeah,
0: and a lot of it is around really, I mean, a lot of librarians don't work in libraries per se as we kind of imagine them. Uh, it's, you know, they may be working f- out, out in industry and small businesses, kind of organising. Um, you know, systems so people can find things, you know, records management, um, you know, setting up all sorts of systems for for doing that sort of thing, uh, providing, you know, access, doing research. So there's all sorts of roles that librarians can go into now. So it's really the degree is about working out what kind of information, business or management you want to go into, really. Wow. So it gives you, a, you know, a breadth of things so you can decide which... Which way you're gonna go?
1: Oh, I understand. So then you got your first job as a
0: librarian, which was so library tech. I my first job as a librarian was as a like a reader advisory kind of role. So it was um, in a in a uh, TAFE, which is like a polytech, working in a campus that had chippies, so carpenters. And uh, motor mechanics and plumbers and engineers, which was uh, quite an interesting place to work in. So, uh, you know, there was lots of uh, car manuals, you know, plumbers' guides, that sort of stuff. Uh, often the students would come in and say, can I have the red book Miss?"
1: You'd say we keep all our red books over here. <laughs> yeah,
0: ex- well, but, you know, because the collection was quite small, you, you knew what they meant exactly by the red book or the green book. And what was the joy in that job for you? Like how was that? Well, I guess it's the thing around, you know, everybody has an information need and it's that, it's the connection to learning that I'm really interested in. So all the all the libraries I've worked in have been in tertiary institutes. So it's that like I have got my my masters is in education. So it's that nexus between you find the information that you need. So you've got an information need, you go and find it and then what do you do with it? And it's um that's why I find that like working in universities are really fascinating places because there's, people are just doing such amazing things and um being part of that process is, is wonderful. And you know, we're publicly funded. You know, we do research that changes the world, makes it better. For me, you know, I come from a very working class background. Education was really the way out of, you know, a poverty cycle. And it is still for a lot of people. Like, getting an education can make such a difference. So I like being part of that. I like feeling that I'm, you know, part of something that can really make a difference in people's lives. Um, And, you know, throughout, like, globally, a lot of public libraries are being threatened, especially in the US and the UK. And it's so wonderful to hear, you know, authors talk about how... Libraries have made such a difference in their life. They've, you know, introduced them to all these different worlds and different writers, and and kind of been um, a haven from, um, you know, from hard stuff in their life. It's they're just a safe place to go. And you know, our own Auckland Public Libraries, they're doing, they've got wonderful programs for homeless people, and, you know. You didn't used to be able to ha- use the library if you didn't have an address, but they have found a way around those sort of things. And, you know, I, I just think that uh, that's such an important thing for society. When the work I do is a little bit different, like we're not a public library, but it, it's still uh, meaningful to be part of... Um, a lot of our students are first in family, so it's it's being part of that, journey. and that's a
1: big thing, isn't it? That's a big thing. I worked at Deloitte for a little while, and I worked there with a whole bunch of um, young accountant graduates, and a lot of them were the first people in their family to go yeah. to university. And it was interesting to me how different they were from the law graduates that I knew through debating. That I did who were mostly from families where it was expected that they would go to university, yeah. you know. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, it means something very different when it's not just not even something you consider it's just where you'll go as opposed to
0: wow I'm embarking on this thing that nobody I really know well has done before. One of the most amazing things I've done in the last couple of years is go to an AUT graduation and they are joyous celebrations with singing and like they're just the most amazing thing and our vice chancellor Derek McCormick gets up and said this is a celebration for you and your Fano. you know it's not a state of fear if you want to sing, if you want to call out, if you want to stand up and, you know, be yourself. cheer your family members, all of that is permissible at AUT. And they're just amazing events. And, you know, um, it's hard when you're sitting on the stage and you kind of often I'm in the front row because I'm little. And uh, I thought it's because you're important. And then I'm kind of like, you know, pulling my tissue out of my sleeve and sort of quietly sobbing because you can see you know the um the absolute joy on people's face and especially with students doing phds like the stamina that it takes to do a phd i'm just you know i'm just in awe of people that get through that and it is uh, incredible you can see the relief and the joy of everyone that's part of that It's just so good.
1: Wow, and it's amazing to hear someone be so passionate about being involved in that as well. Now, a couple of other things you're passionate about. You sent me the most amazing list of books, and I tried to have a look at some of them, and the two that I managed to find, well, Hayden, the proprietor of the open book, had a copy of what I talk about when I talk about running. So I had an actual physical copy of that, and I read it, which was really interesting, is I am whatever the opposite of a runner is, a slug. (laughs) I am a slug. I quite like walking, and I like swimming, and I like yoga, but I'm I'm not built for running, and I've never liked it. But it was very interesting to read, and I wondered if you wanted to tell me a little bit about that book and about what makes it one of your favourite books.
0: I, I love the way Murakami writes. Yeah, I very mean, I mean it's Murakami, right? Yeah, so. It, it's so beautiful. But I think because it's a different kind of memoir... So it's structured around something that he's really passionate about, and he's a like he's a long distance runner, and like he runs a marathon a year. Like yeah, he's, he's not like he's ins- he's not he's insane. Yeah. yeah, like he's just. I really liked how he linked the discipline of running and the routine of running with his writing practice. So that thing around, you know, the stamina it takes, and the discipline, and the kind of isolation of when you're writing with what he feels when he's running and that thing around um you know he said that he's he's learned the most about his writing from running every day that discipline of running and he's not afraid of hard work and you know I'm afraid of well,
1: I'm afraid of hard work. So I'm a poet and I'm a slug. So I think that we can say that these two things are the opposite of being a marathon runner and like a really prolific novelist, right? I'm terrified of hard work and I avoid it at all
0: costs. I look I admire his dedication. Like I just people like him I find incredible. I was just amazed. I
1: thought he says, Oh well I must do this every day and I get up and I run you know, however many kilometres, and I sit down and I write hours. And, of course, you have to. If you're going to write long, complicated, amazing novels like he writes, you have to just sit down and do it with a certain amount of it doesn't matter if I
0: feel it today or not. And he, he did this insane thing where he ran the route of the, you know, like the first marathon in the heat of summer. And And, like, it's actually... It's not a very nice road. And he keeps <laughs> passing dead dogs. He's got like, how many? Like six dead cats and, and five dogs. And dead he gets like, on his way. you know, halfway through it, he thinks, what the hell am I doing? And the guy that's writing the article about it while he's running is going, you know, nobody actually does the run they kind of start it we take some photos and then they disappear but he is so he, look he was so disciplined he kind of set himself the goal and he really wanted to do it and that was his first marathon experience was and it was hot and he was getting dehydrated and it was like I just I just was in awe of the fact that he would he'd just keep going and you run yourself then well I, assume. I used to so when I was you've this, joined the slug people now or? I well, you know, look one of the things I like the book is because I on the surface I seem organized but underneath um you know like that I'm like a duck with my legs sort of just going frantically. There's a lot of chaos under the surface and I um I I want to be more like Murakami, is kind of like, that's what that's I... That's how I felt when <laughs> I to see the end of the
1: book, and I thought, oh, my God, if I could just be a tiny bit more like Murakami, and I thought, I think it is impossible, but how wonderful. And um, so beautifully written, and so... It's like quite self absorbed but it's memoir, right? Yeah. He kind of goes like I'm a self absorbed person and here's my self absorbed story. But it's not too long, so you can forgive him for that. And it is really interesting in the insight into how he gets his writing done, I think. Yeah, and his life.
0: He has this amazing life where he you know, I'm in Hawaii doing this and, you know, (laughs) I'm in America doing this and I live in Japan part of the time. Like I just think it's amazing that a writer can have a life like that. Well, he is an
1: incredible writer. Yeah. Then the other thing that I have been reading that I'm just so grateful for you to getting me to read um, is Ms. Marvel. So do you want to say a few words about Ms. Marvel?
0: I got back into comics probably about five years ago and Ms. Marvel is uh, about a teenager, essentially. She's in high school who accidentally becomes a superhero and her name's uh, Kamala Khan. The thing I like about her is that she is uh, a Muslim, so she has this. She ma- she homemade her costume, uh, and it's out of her burkini, <laughs> yeah, Out of her bikini, it's very modest, but it you know she still looks like a really awesome superhero. For me, it's really. I mean, you've read them. They're really about family and obligation and faith and colliding cultures. It's set in New Jersey. It reminded me, so I'm a massive Buffy the Vampire fan. Yeah, the is similar, and isn't the it? the humour,
1: but also the young woman searching to define her place in the world and, and kind of own her own power and work through the boxes that people keep trying to put her into and, you know, save her classmates and and then so we
0: should solve problems, right? And she makes lots of mistakes, and you know she she messes up her friendships and and disappoints her family constantly. but it's it's that insight into, I guess, the mind of a young adult. but i I actually like the otherness of it as well, so I don't know uh, much about uh, Islam. And it's a really wonderful, loving depiction of a Islamic family in the States as well. So I, I think it's interesting because of that. Uh, and um, G. Willow Wilson, who is the writer, is uh, um, a, a Muslim herself. And, you know, she they did quite a bit of flack for trying something really different in the Marvel Universe. But it's a really positive, girl-positive as well Um comic and yeah. the art is incredible it, you know it's it's uh funny the, the art
1: is incredible and she has a very distinctive face she
0: does she yeah. has
1: a very clearly not at all stereotype but non white face yeah. you know she looks like someone who she looks like herself. And in the first bit, she when she first gets the power, she actually turns herself into the blonde, busty Captain Marvel with a tiny outfit. And then she just finds that she's getting a wedgie and she's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And she has to actually be more herself to be more powerful. So those themes are... You know the basic universal themes of literature that are saying love each other and be true to yourself and all of those kind of things are there in this wonderful comic series. So yeah, I really am enjoying it as well. Oh I good, a great time with it. I didn't get to read Carrie Fisher, and I think we're coming to the end of our time here so maybe we could talk about Carrie Fisher's autobiography another time because that was on your list of things as well but it's been such a pleasure to talk to you Kim thank thank you you. so much and it sounds as if if anyone's looking for a you know a useful and interesting degree to do they should look into what's (laughs) available at AUT and come and be part of your amazing library yeah definitely come and see us great thank you so much And this has been Ears Wide Open, a project of the Open Book at 201 Ponsonby Road. If you are in Auckland, come and visit us, buy a book, keep this whole project on its legs. Uh, If you're not in Auckland, you can actually subscribe to my book bag and have hand-picked books sent out to you in beautiful little packages sealed with wax. So that is also a good